0: I wanna jump right into my message this morning, guys. We've been, uh, we've been talking about small words, big impact. Small words that have a, a large impact on our lives. In the first week, I spoke on the word no. We love the word no, right? Initially, and then all of a sudden we grow up and we realize people like us better if we say yes, and so we, we get away from saying the word no, but, but no is such a, a great, impactful word that we need in our lives. And then last week, Pastor Brandon spoke on the word yes and how each and every one of us have a, a, a need, and, and no matter how many promises God has made, no matter how many promises you read throughout Scripture, God's answer to all of those are yes in Christ, in Christ, there is a, a huge yes for each and every one of our lives. This week uh, is, is probably one of the hardest weeks as far as being able to, to utilize, as far as being able to confront. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, the word sorry. Look, and, and this, isn't, this isn't oops. <laughs> this isn't my bad. I Man, this, this is a heartfelt difference. This is examining yourself with, with a, an honesty, just a, a, it's a peering into the soul, it's setting things right, it's, it's a simple word, sorry, but, but it's, it's amazing how many people find so many different reasons to avoid it. We all find reasons to avoid just that one little word, but it can have such an impact on our lives. And look, there's two different types of Sorry. Look, like there's, there's the sorry where it's kind of like, yeah, whatever, sorry. You know, that's, that's the kind of sorry that makes you want to slap your kid. Not that you would. We don't do that. We don't like that sorry, and that's not the sorry I'm talking about. Today what I want to deal with is, is, is a repentant. It's a, it's a changed ways. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a life of Sorry. We're going to be talking about that kind of sorry within our own lives. Because, look, it, it's easy. It's easy to see what others should be sorry about. It's easy to look at somebody else and to say, man, yeah, you, 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 need, to, you need to check that. But what about peering into your own soul? about peering into your, your own glaring character flaws, your issues? And, man, those we're quick to excuse, aren't we? I, uh... For example, if we walked outside here, and you and I are talking, and I look over, and I look at your car, and I notice the tire's flat. I examine it real quick, and I notice there's a nail, there's a puncture in the tire. I look at you to say, hey, man, you've got a nail in your tire. You'd be irritated, but you'd be grateful. I, I one time was at another church, not here, I was... I was getting ready to lead worship, and the church sat about a thousand people, and I'm getting ready to walk out on stage with the worship team and, and, and the uh, the guitarist. He, he looks at me and he says, Hey, hey, Corey. Yeah. Your flies down. <laughs> I was embarrassed, but I was grateful. <laughs> very, very grateful. Right? You have those friends, those friends who are, who are willing to walk up to you and tell you, hey man, you, you got you need a you got a you got a boogie hanging embarrassed maybe but you're grateful right yes <laughs> but see what if i pointed out an issue that matters to god a, a character defect of sorts a, a, a glaring issue within your life maybe maybe it's it's a temper that's resentful maybe it's a, a, a you know a tongue that's undisciplined and just spouts out whatever it wants at any given point in time maybe it's it's a habit a lifestyle of gossip Maybe it's, it's selfishness that, that you deal with every day. You see, people who know you well can see this just as clearly, just as clearly as a flat tire or a boogie hanging out your nose. And yet, as opposed to being grateful, what do we normally do? See, telling you something like this, it's usually not welcomed. So what ends up happening is we live this, this double life. It's a respectable double life. I mean, we, we still go to church, and, and, and we still pray when, when we need something. We believe, but, but we also doubt. See, sorry is mostly a word that you use just to smooth over uh, relationships, unpleasantness. You use it to control people, but, but you don't actually use it to face, to deliberately face the ugly truth about the state of your soul. How is it that we're so grateful for somebody telling us, sharing with us one thing, but then in the same breath, we, we, we get resentful when somebody shows us something within our own life? Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me what's wrong with me, man. You ought to look at yourself first. So, what ends up happening is opposed to living a, a repentant lifestyle of, of, of sorry, you keep your character defects hovering vaguely in the background. Never examining yourself, never making it a priority of seeking God's help to remove it. And we, we definitely, we definitely don't invite others to look into our lives and to look in these hidden, hidden areas. Uh, I, I want to tell everybody here, every one of you, in love of course, today I want you to realize that uh, you have a booger hanging from your nose. Each and every one of us have character defects, have flaws in our lives that, that other people around you can see, but, but a lot of times we just don't self-examine ourselves. And I, I pray that you ask God to deliver you at any cost. I mean, you make this a, a phenomenal priority in your life. Or you can pretend it's not there and just hope it goes away. Um, to begin, there's a, there's a story in Acts. And in Acts, what we see is that the church has just begun. Jesus is, has ascended. The Great Commission has been given, and, and the disciples are going out under the power of the Spirit, and, and the church is starting. Again, the church was, as we learned in our last series, this movement, this excitement. All of these people, it wasn't this, this religious hierarchy gathering, but, but it was just this excitement, this build. And so the church has begun, and, and the church in that day was, was different. One of the unusual aspects of the church was generosity. There was just this this willingness to, 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 man, to share the love of God with other people. And not just share the love, not just talk about it, but, but physically to share the love of God with people. Most people in the early church were were probably poor, but there were a few few stories we read that that had resources, and and they would share these resources abundantly. They would would give to the poor, and they would see lives changed, not just spiritually, but also physically. There was one man in in Acts, it talks about a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph was a a wealthy man, and he goes out and he sells off a field, and he takes the, the He takes the cell of that field, he he takes all the money, he brings it before the, the church, he brings it before the apostle Peter, and he lays it down and he says, man, I want you to use this for God's kingdom, for God's glory, I want you to just use it all. And word quickly spread. Word got out, man, did you hear, did you hear what Joseph did? In fact, so much so that Joseph's name was changed to Barnabas, which meant son of encouragement. I mean, like all of a sudden he had a moniker. Like, God of thunder, you know? There was like, all of a sudden, he was, I am son of encouragement. You know, like, if encouragement himself were to come down and bless you, he'd bless you with me, I mean, that's pretty cool if people are looking at you. I mean, he was revered, but, but it was humbling. He didn't do it in some showboat way. He, he was truly just touched by the power of God, by the power of the Spirit. And he goes and he, he sold this field that he had, and he gave every last penny to the church. He said, man, use this to touch lives. You're, you're, you're going to be able to do so much more with it than I can. There was another couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, like Joseph, were uh, were well off. Scripture doesn't say that they were were rich, but but it said they had resources. And we pick up in Acts chapter 5, and we notice that that they like the attention that Joseph got. And in Acts chapter 5, we read, it says this, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge... He kept back part of the money for himself. But he brought the rest and he put it at the apostles' feet. Now, now play this out with me a little bit. You see, what we have here is Ananias and Sapphira kind of, they notice how other people with resources are giving stuff away. I, I, can, I can imagine maybe, maybe they feel a little bit of pressure pressure to give and and maybe even a little bit of resentment because, well, I worked hard for this, this is mine, and the thoughts may be arising in their head, but at the same time, on the other spectrum, they see Joseph, and and Joseph gets this really cool new name, Son of Encouragement, and there's a little bit of jealousy raging within along with this pride. They want to be generous, but, you know, they, they also want to be rich, they want to be loved, but they also want to indulge this selfishness, this jealousy. They want to be celebrated, but to do so, they might have to deceive. They have divided hearts. You and I are a lot like that. You see, we, we want God. We, we really do. We want the fullness. We want all of it. But, but we also want what we want and what we know that God may be opposed to. So we wrestle with this divided heart. Ananias gets this idea, he thinks, oh, you know, we, we, could, we could sell the field, take some of the money, give it to the church, and we keep some for ourselves. It's not lying. I mean, we're not we're not saying we're giving it all. We just know that somebody right before us gave it all, and so now here we sell a field and we present money. It just looks like we're giving it all. But we, it, we're not lying, so we're, we're going to hold on to some for ourselves, too. You know, people will think we're giving it all. Basically, he's building a false reputation for generosity. He tells his wife Sapphira, and key moment. Key moment, Sapphira hears this spiel from Ananias and has every opportunity to say, hey, uh, you, that, you, your fly's down. You got a booger hanging. Something's wrong. We need to fix it. Defect in your character. But instead, what does she do? She says, that's a great idea. We pretend not to notice our own character defects. The Apostle Peter, Scripture goes on, it talks about the Apostle Peter, he finds out, and he actually goes and he confronts Ananias. Confronts him directly, looks at him face to face, and he makes it very clear, Peter does, that the deepest sin, it's not jealousy, the deepest sin isn't isn't. Not giving all the money. It has nothing to even do with the money. The the deepest sin here is is something so much more. In fact, we read on in verse, uh, it picks up in verse 4. It says, how is it, Peter's saying to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied? He goes on, he says, look, you could have kept all the money if you wanted. It was your field to do with what you wanted. You could have kept the field. You could have sold the field and kept all the money. You could have kept the field, and, or you could have sold the field and only given part of it, but talked about, man, I'm, I'm giving 50%. Nobody's holding this over you. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. The real sin here was deceit. It was, just, it was this double life. Peter looks at him and says, you didn't lie to man, you lied to God. God. You see, there's something about spiritual hiddenness within our lives that that is so toxic to God's people, to the body of Christ, to, to the community that we live in that it makes it a sin not just against others but against God himself. Scripture goes on and says Peter confronted him and it says that when Peter heard this, or excuse me, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. It goes on and it talks about a few hours later, his wife, Sapphira, comes in and and she approaches the church not knowing that the men have just wrapped up her husband's body, taking it off to bury it. She approaches Peter and Peter questions her. He says, was this, did did y'all give all the money from the sale of that field to the church? Oh yeah, absolutely, she says. Same thing, she falls down dead. They carry her body out. In the text, again, it says, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Talk about a, a morale booster. Hey, come to church, you might die. <laughs> we welcome everybody, but FYI, uh, look, <laughs> Why would, you, why, would you even put, why would you share this story with anybody? This is the beginning of the church. This is, this is the beginning of God's people. The excitement is building. Why would you share this story? I mean, this isn't something you want to you share and invite people to your church. Hey, come on over. Did you hear about the person who died last week because they lied? <laughs> <laughs> you see, this story, though, it, it's not about money. It's not even about giving. What it's more about, it's about boasting in your own abilities while not acknowledging a massive hanger, if you will, a glaring flaw within your own life. It's double-sided, double-minded. You see, the early church was a community of, of man, unprecedented and spiritual power. All of a sudden, Christ had had left and he says, I go that the Spirit may come, that one greater may come and and you will be filled with the power of the Spirit. Now, man, they were laying hands on people, seeing people heal, the power to heal, the power to forgive sins, just as Christ had done, looking at people and says, your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and walk. Now, too, the disciples had the power to forgive sin power to break down. Ethnic barriers within these cities were being completely torn down between groups that that had hated each other for life. A power to love. It was something different. It was something new. It it was this, this spiritual power from within. Look, power can be great, but power is also dangerous. Here's what happened in the early church. The the Holy Spirit had come, and, and all of a sudden, the human race got plugged into a source of power that, that it hadn't known before. Spiritual power flows. In your, in your life and in my life, it flows when you get honest about your flaws, about your sin, about your need for God. You see, we always think it's about being great, about being wise. It's it, well, well, they must be really strong. They must be really smart. They must be... But the power of God flows through people when they get serious about acknowledging their weaknesses, their sins, their need for God. Look, Scripture's clear about it. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Not in in how good I am, not in in the front that I can present before you, not in in this mask that I wear, the smile that I put on, my, my best dressed for Sunday His power is made perfect in my weakness. It's an, it's an inner reflection. We get confused about this. We think we have to show people how strong we are, or we have to look better than we really are, but man, that kills the body of Christ. It's only when we get honest, when we share real stories, real struggles, when we share our character defects... Our real-time problems, only then does it increase the flow of spiritual power. Man, I, I messed up this week. Man, I, I struggled with this this week. I'm tempted for, for this situation or for that, whatever it is. And, man, it's, it's about something so much bigger. And it encourages honesty in others. All of a sudden, in these moments, the, these, these real moments, these bare moments, sin gets named. People get known, people get loved, and, and through that people get healed. But when we hide it, it only decreases spiritual power. and we present a personal strength, a mask that we wear on the front. It impedes honesty. It, it breaks down change, and grace. Other people are led to hide. Sin breeds in the dark. And darkness only begats more darkness. And we know when people are wearing masks. But we assume nobody can see that we're wearing ours. And with our masks comes pretense. And with pretense comes isolation, and then isolation only leads to despair. When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost... God started something new, this new community, this, this, this new spiritual power that, that flowed with unprecedented uh, power within the people's lives. Guys, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, it's a story of hiding of deception within the church, and it's very much a story, it's a repeat of the story of hiding and deception that we see in the Garden of Eden. And in both cases, and in all cases, it always leads to death. Spiritual death, even physical death. Here, too, in, a, in a, an obvious, visible way, we see it led to death. But death isn't something we need to be afraid of. We, we don't fear death. We, we should fear living the wrong life. We should fear becoming the wrong person. We should fear hiding. We should fear losing our own soul. People who understand grace know this best. When you truly get a grasp of what grace is, the the, the song, man, probably everybody in here has heard the song Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We love it, but there's a line there in one of the verses. It says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear.'" (laughs) "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear.'" You see, grace, I love grace, but grace isn't my excuse. Grace grace is humbling. Grace is a lifestyle of repentance. Grace is a living sorry. Grace is my sufficiency. It's his power made perfect through the admittance of my weaknesses. That's grace. We need a community of, of intense spiritual power, the kind of power that, that comes only through honesty, that comes only through confession, that comes only through a thorough cleansing within our lives. Guys, that's the church that Jesus came to start. There's a, there's a program I, I, I would dare say everybody in here has heard of called the AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And within AA, there's, this, there's a, a healthy knowledge, a healthy fear that apart from the everyday grace of God, we are all one wrong choice, one wrong drink away from hell and death. It's an admittance. It's an understanding that daily I must wake up and acknowledge my own issues. Daily I must wake up and admit to my own problems. And only with an understanding of an admittance of every day, I'm only one wrong choice away Man, I'm I'm tired of that power being present in places like 12-step communities, but not present in God's church, which is where it began. It was born out of a community, an excitement of Jesus' followers. The question is, will we be that church, or are we going to help to thwart it? One or the other, we, we, we can't avoid this decision. In the the little bit of time I I have left, what I want to do is I want to real quickly walk you um, through how to become that kind of person, that kind of people. What does it mean to live the word sorry? What does it mean to walk it out daily with deep spiritual power before God and before others? Two steps. It's not even 12. Two steps. The first one is check it. You have to check it. You have to to internally take an inner moral inventory. David, in the Psalms, he, he writes this Psalm and he says, Search my heart, O God. Search me and know my heart. Search me through and through. Look, we don't do this alone. We seek God's help. We set aside, we set aside time to, to be alone. We we come before God and we say, God, help me to see areas in my thoughts and in, in my actions and in, in my behavior patterns that, that don't line up with what you would have, what's best for me. Look, it's it's intensely painful. But what our world needs, what our world needs right now is is not better laws. We don't need better medicine. We don't need better government. What we need is better people. Where do we start? Where do we start? Who do you have the best shot of changing into a better person? Your spouse? <laughs> nope. Your neighbor, right? Right? Your kids, you can, you can breed them just how you want them to be. You can, you can mold them, and they're going to they're gonna live their life right if you do it right. <laughs> well, Corey, I, I have the best chance of, of changing this person that I'm, I'm dating. I'm going to make them into the perfect spouse for me. You have the best shot of making a better person out of one individual, and that's yourself. For, for you, it's you. For me, it's, it's me. <laughs> Look, I, I get my own booger. I zip my own fly because it's my issue to deal with. So the same, you get your own booger, you get your own fly because it's your issue to deal with, right? But then so the same... I deal with the sin in my life with God because I'm responsible for my soul with God. Nobody else. I, I have people come in for, for counseling, and, and the first thing a lot of people want to do is, well, they, they, they. And I'm like, look, we, we can't change they. I, I, can, I can talk to you. You can sit here and blame the world. You can blame the problems on, on everybody else, but, but we can't fix that. What we can talk about is right here, you and I. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. You check it. The next thing you do is you confess it. Check it and confess it. Before God, myself, and and another person. James, in writing to the early church, he he wrote this. He said, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's kind of easy to confess to God. It's probably even easier to confess it to myself because I I know the mistakes I, I live in. But all of a sudden, to confess to a friend means you're gonna to have to pull down the mask. You're gonna to have to be real, vulnerable with somebody. Notice the connection between the practice of confession between people and the power for healing. You see, something happens when people get real. All of a sudden, that's when, when power starts to flow. I confess to God, I confess to myself and to another person. Guess which, guess which, guess which one of those is the hardest? somebody else the hardest is to admit to someone else because that other person is is looking you right in the face a lot of people say "Corey, man i don't need to do this (laughs) god can forgive me without me telling someone else what i've done wrong he can Um, he's god he can forgive however he wants to it's one of the things about being god But there's power in admittance and accountability. It's When I know I have to face the the pain, maybe even the humiliation, accountability, telling a friend about my sin, and it it does something within. It makes me less likely to do it because I know I'm going to have to be honest. I know I'm going to have to be real. Now now hear me, please. (laughs) You only do this with someone that, that you know well, with someone you trust. Like, don't walk out of here and walk up to a stranger down at Kroger and say, well, my pastor told me to tell you my deepest, darkest secret, so here we go. Do you have time? Just keep your buggy. We're going to be here a while. (laughs) It it may be finding a a good Christian counselor. it's, It's finding a friend who loves you and cares for you. It's about a relationship that's bigger than the issue. Check it. Confess it. Guys, here's the issue with, with these double lives, these double standards, with not living a lifestyle of sorry. It's When you carry around a secret, you carry around a burden. Each and every one of us are as sick as our secrets. When I keep a secret from you, look, e- even if you, you approach me and you tell me that you love me, the whole while I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, but... But would you if you knew? You can only be loved to the extent that you're known. You can only be loved to the extent that you're known, and that's the beauty of God's grace, because He knows you through and through. You can only be fully loved if you're fully known and God made us the church the body of Christ to be a to be a place where people can be fully known to be to be a people that can reach across the Nile that can reach across a, a barrier and to love fully and understand and and to care for where people right, right right where they're at and in that to be fully healed When you confess to somebody else you experience healing love and And you experience a relief from your burdens. When people hide, people die. But when people get real, people get healed. So we check it, we confess it. Guys, that's a repentant lifestyle of sorry. As I close, as the band comes up, look, for for most of us, for most of us, there's a, there's a thought that's already kind of coming to you. I don't, I don't need to do this. I mean he's not talking about me, he's, he's talking about, I mean there's, there's moral train wrecks out there, there's, there's like murderers, the, those, those people, yeah, they need to check it and confess it for sure. There's thieves, those those guys, those are bad adulterers, and, and all those other people, those moral train wreck people, but me, me, I'm, I'm a decently good person. He's not talking about me. My life is manageable. We categorize ourselves as decently good, not perfect, but, but definitely not the train wreck that somebody else is, decently good, but you see, here's the deal, the The sins of decently good people, they're usually the ones that we need the most help to see. You see, it was decently good people who were Jesus' biggest enemies. It it was decently good people who put him on a cross. It was decently good people who killed the church. Speaking as a recovering, decently good person, I, I I don't need less help from others with my sin. I need more. because I'm more likely to be blind to my own sin. But I don't want to do it, Corey. I I, I don't want to check it or confess it. Of course you don't. (laughs) Nobody wants to. But it doesn't anywhere in the Bible say, thou shalt do what thou wantest to do. Here's the thing, guys. If you're still allowing, I don't want to do it to trump Jesus' call on your life, on your call to do it, then you might think about if you're really following him. Is there an easier way, maybe a softer way, a nicer way? Uh. It hurts, it's, con- it's, it's accountability, it's confrontation, it's, it's all those words that none of us like, it's, it's being real, it's being vulnerable, it's, it's risking hurt, it's risking pain. That's why Paul himself said, I have been crucified with Christ. You see, it's a dying to self. It, it, you know, we, we like to talk about being resurrected with Christ. That speaks of life. I, we want the resurrection, but, but the thing about resurrection is to experience resurrection, there has to be a dying. To experience a resurrection, a self has to die first. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. The old thing's gone. Behold, all things have become new. Baptism, the, the beautiful symbolic, the representation of, of what was old, dying, being gone, but, but a new creation coming up. The excitement of something new, some, the potential, the, the, the greatness, the power, the tapping into the Spirit. But then it's... It's choosing not to go back in the water and find the old self and and just wear that I'm I'm reborn mask but inside still dealing with death. It's what we live for. The greatest celebration, the greatest expression, redemption, salvation found through Christ on the cross. The resurrection. Guys, that's the expression of our new identity in Christ. It's, It's a permanent position in His family. It's a child of God, a son, a daughter. It's a lifestyle of sorry. It's walking in His grace daily. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. Here within the body, it's being plugged in into the reality of the Spirit and into the reality of power. Everybody is welcome. Nobody's perfect, but in Him, all things are possible. In Him, all things are possible. But it comes with a recognition, with, a, with, with an, an, an inner moral searching and saying, God, search my heart. Not search my spouse, not, not search my kids, not, not, God, you know what my mom and dad did to me, or... God, search me. Change me. That's walking in grace. Across the room if you'll bow your heads with me. Lord God, I thank you for your grace that's sufficient. sufficient Lord God I I can wake up daily and I can acknowledge your presence your power Lord God through the acknowledgement of of the weaknesses the struggles that that I deal with daily my hurts my pains my my being real my being opus my 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 being able to just put down the mask share with people Every head bowed, every eyes closed, guys. Please, I, I look, I, I'm not gonna call anybody up to the front, but, but I, I'd love for you to be real with me today. If you're struggling with an issue, if you're struggling with something in your life that you know it, it's it's not what God's one, one wants from you. It's not it's not God's best in your life, but but daily it just seems like you're running the same track. You you keep putting the same same rut into the mountain. You keep going in a circle over and over. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, I'm here to tell you God wants something so much better for your life God wants something so much greater for your life and, and God's got his spirit, his power within you to be so much greater but it becomes, it comes through an acknowledgement of our weaknesses not just to God, God sees it not just to yourself, you know it, you deal with it but being able to say man Corey I, I, I have a struggle I need help, I can't do it on my own Again, I'm not embarrassing anybody this morning. This is just you and me. Look, if that's you this morning, I'd like you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. And in front of all of you, I'm admitting this is my hand up too. We all struggle. We've all got that hanger. (laughs) But God's saying, man, let me come into your life and change everything within you. Lord God, across this room right now with hands lifted high, Father, I pray for individuals who are going to be strong enough to admit, Lord Jesus, that they need your power, that they need your help, that they need the people around them, the strength of the, of the body of Christ coming together, Lord God, to admit our own weaknesses, but in admittance of our own weaknesses, to witness your power, your spirit within our lives. God, I thank you for these individuals across this room and I pray for a breakthrough in their lives. I pray for a breakthrough like they haven't seen it. Lord God, they've struggled with issues for years, for years, for years, but today, Lord God, there's a breakthrough. Today there's a confession. Today there's a checking. Search my heart, oh God. Search me through and through. See me from the inside, Lord God, that I may be, Lord God, like you. Father, I thank you For the heart of people in this room to change, to be different, to not not be the normal, Lord God, but to break the mold, to be the church, the excitement of God within our community, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing, Lord, and across this room for every single individual, Father, I pray a blessing, Lord, that you would continue to to use us to change people's lives, to reach out to our neighbors, to be the love that we witness in in Acts, Lord God, to be the love of of the disciples reaching out to friends, to enemies, to neighbors, Lord God, to to break cultural barriers, Lord Jesus. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done right here on earth. Not some far off distant elsewhere, Lord God, but right here, right now in my life. Through a simple word, a small word, sorry. It's in the name, by the power of your spirit we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Guys, I encourage each and every one of you leave here. You're changed. Your mind's renewed by the power of His mighty word. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week. Look forward to seeing y'all throughout the community. God bless.